0: is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers.
1: And now keeping himself with Martinez,
0: five. He is going to be in, touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge, runs in from 15 yards out, tying the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on at Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now, shoots the three, got it! Isaiah Robey nails it from three-point land, And a good time
2: was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Good, more snow. Yay, it's happening. Snow emergency, Lincoln, by the way. Ah, Welcome to a snow emergency, and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. That is Caleb Henry. (laughs) I am Cole Stukenholtz. Kenny Larrabee is here, pushing all the buttons for the Facebook Live. Head over there at KLIN Huskers. Happy to have you with us this morning. It is Super Bowl weekend. Yes, it is. I heard a rumor that there might be two really good quarterbacks playing in. I don't know if you've seen any coverage about
1: this. (laughs) One or two. It's been an interesting conversation over the course of the week uh, where does Tom Brady need to do anything for his legacy? What does this do for Patrick Mahomes' legacy if he were to just get to two? And it's like, guys, this is... Clearly Tom Brady is the greatest to ever do it. There's the potential for Patrick Mahomes to get there. We're not going to know which one of these ends up with a better career until Patrick Mahomes is done with his forty-year contract?
2: Isn't it great the forty-year contract? <laughs> I mean, it, it, well, and as a Bears fan, never mind. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna let what? That slide.
1: Didn't didn't you hear the Bears are like trading for Carson Wentz or something?
2: Not Deshaun Watson. That's
1: too bad. That's because t- trade for Watson, is going to cost you like twelve first-round
2: picks. You consecutive. know what? Executive might be worth it. With that that defense, you'd be able to make a run in the NFC tomorrow. Maybe.
1: Anyway, there's also a rumor that a a Nebraska team is going to be playing tonight for the first time
2: in almost a month. Uh, I'm going to have to relearn the whole roster again. (laughs) I'm going to have to relearn all the numbers and who plays where. Yeah, it has been a long time. Uh, January 10th is the last time the Huskers hit the floor, and... I I just it's it's going to be interesting to see what they look like right off the bat because mm-hmm. they 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 have everybody available for the first time period yeah in this game because Derek Walker was available finally last game but I think Ivan good. Ivan wasn't if right I recall yep that's correct so everybody's actually available um you also have the the knowledge in the back of your mind that you have to gear up for, what is it, like four games in the next nine days? Yeah. And then it's probably going to have, you're probably going to have more schedule news and you're going to have more games jammed into that schedule. Mm-hmm. Schedules. Got, schedules are on, on the brain as well. This right. Week. Yeah, we've got sound from Hoiberg we'll play later on uh,
1: in the show talking about all of that, how it's really resembling an NBA-type schedule. and yeah. um, Obviously, the Big Ten is like, hey, you guys keep asking for these baseball schedules. You keep asking for this baseball schedule. By the way, here's a fall football schedule that's been revised. We're going to have to break down that. I want to get your way-too-early predictions. We're going to have to go game-by-game game already? Game-by-game, game, straight down. I want to know... W's and L's, where you think the season's
2: going to go? I saw yours on uh, on Twitter. I had a feeling you might ask me that. Uh, yeah, so we, <laughs> we have a football schedule for 2021, and we still don't know when baseball will start playing and who they will play. Uh, we're going to have Evan Bland uh, from the Omaha World-Herald on in uh, just a little bit to talk about the lack of a baseball schedule as well as all of the football happenings. Uh, this was signing day week as well. Yes. Um, one more official uh, scholarship announcement that was in hohuli out of Hawaii. How did you say that? hohuli
1: That that's not how I heard it on an interview from the island. Well, how how does he say it? Well, I heard it on an interview. Ho'uhuli. Ho'uhuli. Yeah. And then I then I heard then I heard Craig Sharp say
2: Oh'uli, and I was like, All right, we we're starting to add some vowels. Speaking of bad pronunciations of Husker's names. I saw a film breakdown of the Buccaneers defense in a Super Bowl preview this week. I don't remember who it was, but somebody they in twenty twenty one saying Levante Davis. No 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 no. Somebody in twenty twenty one still cannot pronounce Indomican. Oh my gosh. It's twenty twenty he won he should have won the Heisman twelve years ago. What would they say, Indamukang? I don't I it was so bad. I i I I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I should have recorded it and played it back for you because it was terrible. But yeah, at any rate, it it is what it is. Uh, we'll just have to live with it because yeah, it, unfortunately, people can't be bothered with name pronunciations when they literally work in that field. Well, you've got that, and then you go to
1: the volleyball team who uh, got a three-one win last night, and Kianile, Akana, Kale, There you go. Is, is what she is to the broadcast teams. So Lock, drop a set. Dropped a set. We played big red volleyball. Reaction. React. Yeah. Right there was uh. So on that set in particular, there there was a lot more miscommunication. There was a couple of balls that just dropped between players. Um. There was a number of hitting errors. It was uh. Just overall, that was uh. It was kind of a poor. It was kind, It was a really poorly played set. And still, and still, Maryland had to get to twenty-seven points to win it. Nebraska didn't play well, I would say, overall last night, outside of Lauren Stiverance, mm-hmm. who hit 850, which is unreal, had 18 kills. Um, that that was an insane match to watch what she was able to single-handedly do, and everyone else just kind of played well enough. Uh, but And then you had more than 50 set assists from... Uh, from um, Wow, why? How did I? Why? Why is my mind going blank on our setter? Why is that a thing that's happening right now? It's been a long week. It has been a very long week. Uh, but anyway, it's the, the the team played well enough to to get the win, three one, and they'll go again against Maryland tonight. Nicklin Hames.
2: Hames, yeah, of course. So that was volleyball. They got the win. There. And there was uh, a number of football players there last night too. There you go. Yeah, supporting the rest of the uh, the rest of the which, squad there. Which brings up some questions. Okay.
1: Obviously, family members were allowed. Family members were allowed at the football games. Right. You've seen a few more people at Devaney Center for the wrestling matches. Now volleyball's going, and you see family members, and you see several members of the Husker football team. These matches are not open to the public because of Big Ten policies. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the policy on getting some of these folks in the door? It's a significant other, perhaps. I think on I would, a, I would a, think a couple of on a couple of them. It's yeah. not that hard to sleuth and go to go to the the Instagram and, and follow some people. But I'm not sure the entire group there has a significant other connection.
2: Yeah,
1: you're you're gonna get some upset Husker fans that want to be in this arena, and if if you're getting some football players in there, although I will say it, they were they were entertaining to say the least. Yeah. It was a group of football players at a volleyball match, and you could hear everything they said. It was entertaining, to say the least. Oh, boy. A uh, rowdy
2: bunch, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and so a little bit on uh, the football. You, you've you got more news this week, as, of course, the the schedule was revamped. And yesterday, uh, it was announced on, what, three hours notice on the Friday oh. before the Super Bowl. Hey, I, I appreciate the effort. Good job trying to get a, a schedule show in and And kind of build some build some buzz about your schedule in you know the first week of February, but three hours' notice, okay, I guess they didn't want people calling into their sources and and breaking the whole thing open before the show got a chance to air i and maybe the only reason I can think of look at least you tried Kevin Warren
1: <sighs> uh and by
2: the way, when's the baseball team playing right?
1: I think that that's the biggest thing. You had the baseball team um, go through, and uh, they voted on their captains. They, they You've got Spencer Schwellenbach, who's always an All-American. And what the heck are you doing? Is it still – oh, we you want to talk more Super Bowl because of the Chiefs. Okay.
2: What? I'm sorry.
1: Did you say something? Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew you brought in all this Chiefs gear, and now you've got the – the uh what is that a, a Mahomes magic crunch baby Mahomes magic crunch and then you've got a, a Tumblr.
2: yeah i got a Tumblr. It says it says can you read that from over there it says super bowl champions okay yeah interesting you know. um so that's that's
1: clearly who you're rooting for yeah. i i mentioned yesterday i think the uh the buccaneers are going to win oh, okay. i said 44-42 44-42 <laughs> okay um scott frost was asked uh, earlier this week who he's got in the Super Bowl?
3: Uh, man, this was tough for me because I, you know, I, I root for the Chiefs because they're a Midwest team, and gosh, they're just fun to watch, and I love their creativity on offense. It's hard to, it's hard to not root for the Buccaneers right now with all the Nebraska ties that you have there. You know, Sue has meant so much to this program uh, and had such an unbelievable career that I'm really pulling for him to, to maybe be able to put a ring on uh, Levante David, same way and. He's one of the best in the business and has been, and um, he deserves more accolades than he gets. And having Khalil down there too, is somebody that I coached, um, actually been on the phone with Jason Light, uh, who's a Nebraska guy, and congratulated him on getting where he is. And we even have a strength coach, Chad Wade, that worked here for a long time, that works for the Bucks. So um, I gotta be pulling for them because of the Nebraska ties. But um, looking forward to watching and. Good luck to those Nebraska guys for the Bucs.
1: And you've
2: also got Shaq Barrett, Boys Town. Boys Town, UNO. Dirk Chatlin pointed out this week that Sue went and talked at Boys Town while right. Barrett was, was still there. That's a really good
1: story. I encourage anyone who hasn't read yes. that. that that's, that's very intriguing. Yeah.
2: Um, look, great job, Scott Frost. That's the exact right answer for the, head, the sitting head coach at Nebraska. You're going to lose. <laughs> Sorry. It's not happening. People are all, oh, you can't bet against Brady. You can't bet against Brady. Okay, you want to bet against Mahomes? You I want to do that? I haven't mentioned anything with Brady. I'm not talking about you oh, in yeah. general, Caleb. I'm talking about the general you. Oh, for sure, yes. It's, look. Ustedes. Wow. <laughs> for those of you who don't habla espanol, El Nino... I just look the way the Chiefs play in the playoffs, they've clearly turned it up a notch. For those of you who haven't watched every minute of the season this year, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. They were bored. Literally, they were bored this year waiting around for the playoffs. They came and showed up in week three and stomped the Ravens. That game was not even close. They threw touchdown passes to the fullback and the left tackle in that game, not even close. They showed up in Week 6. The Bills decided to play their safeties 30 yards off the line of scrimmage, so Andy Reid ran for the most yards in his career. And then they were bored. They blew out the Jets, and then every game since then was a one-score game all the way through the AFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. They were bored. They have turned it on. It is not happening, Tampa Bay. It is not happening for the former Huskers. It is not happening for anybody betting against Patrick LaVon Mahomes this guy is going to be your Super Bowl champion again 38-25 is my score we'll just get it out of the way now did uh, did these two teams meet in the regular season yeah did you see what the score was after the first quarter what was the score at the end of the game did you okay the end of the game was a three point game Kansas City had control the entire way <laughs> okay they got bored Mahomes threw for like 270 yards in the first quarter. It was 17 to nothing. The Buccaneers didn't score a point on their first six drives. Or, no, maybe they got one field goal on their first six drives. They didn't get a first down until their fifth drive.
1: So, what I'm hearing is if I'm the Buccaneers defensive coordinator, I let the Chiefs run wild in the first quarter so that they get bored. Because they're not mentally strong enough for four quarters to be entertained themselves. I don't think they're going to get bored in the Super Bowl. Caleb.
2: I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're, you... you do bring up a good point, though, because both of these quarterbacks have a propensity for comebacks. Right. I don't know that I want to have a 10-point lead in the first quarter if I'm either team. You know, Maybe at halftime, if I get a field goal late in the half and I get a 10-point lead into the half, <laughs> that would be okay. But you don't want to make either of these quarterbacks mad too early in the game. That, that is a thing. Here's the other ne- part. Neither team has lost since they met. Correct. Correct. Tampa well, Bay just te- has well, okay. one more te- win. Technically, the Chiefs have lost, but that was with Mahomes not playing Week 17, okay. half the starter sitting. Yeah, the, you don't count that. It, I, no, correct. I don't count that. Other people do. <laughs> so look, here are the big matchups. Obviously, the offensive line for the Chiefs is banged up, and you have aforementioned Shaq Barrett from Boystown, Town, along with former almost Husker Jason Pierre-Paul. Mm -hmm. who was teammates with Levante David at Fort Scott before he went to South Florida and David came here. Um, Those guys, they're going to be a problem for that O-line. However, if you saw what they did after the Saints game when they had some offensive line problems originally, they've gone short, quick passes. It's not long dropbacks. Mahomes is getting the ball out quick. It's not going to be as much of an issue. They're going to scheme around that offensive line. Secondly, the Chiefs defensive coordinator. Do you know who it is? Steve Spagnuolo. What's he famous for other than winning the Super Bowl last year with the Chiefs? <laughs> oh my god. Do you know? I bet Kenny does. Oh yeah, Kenny's shaking his head. He was the Giants offensive coordinator in 2007 when the Patriots did not go 19 and 0 but 18 and 1. He was brought in in 2019 after the Patriots beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game in 2018. He was brought in for one reason and one reason only, to beat Tom Brady. He's done it twice since he got here. Regular season 2019 helped him get the two seed over the Patriots. This year against the Bucs, he beat him again. Brady, terrible with pressure. Spagnolo blitzed the crap out of people. That's a good matchup for Kansas City. Also, Juan Thornhill, fully healthy at safety. Lejarius, this is the breakdown you wanted. <laughs> this don't is even everything. Act, don't even act like it's not. <laughs> Lejarius Sneed would have been the rookie of the year defensively if it weren't for Chase Young being Chase Young. Uh, Tyron Matthew playing like a Hall of Famer in the secondary. Those guys are going to get an interception. One of those guys is going to get an interception. I promise you that. Put a mark it down right here. Uh, and obviously, Patrick Mahomes. Need I say more? When it's a big game, he shows up in a big way with the matchups with Lamar Jackson, the matchups with Tom Brady, the matchup with Josh Allen in the AFC Championship game when some people voted him to be second-team All-Pro along with Mahomes. He's locked in. His toe's better. He's going to get first down scrambling. He's going to carve that buck secondary up again. 38-25. Back-to-back, going for a three-peat next year. Before we get to break, I will give you
1: three reasons why Tampa Bay will win this football game. Let me hear it. In Dominican Sue, Levante David, Khalil Davis. <sighs> Spoken like a sports director. In the state of Brett. <laughs> Is my job secure? Did I do that right? <laughs> I think you did good. Yeah, you did good. Yeah.
2: Hey, look. If I have one knock against Kansas City and Clark and and you know Clark Hunt, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, the brain trust there in Kansas City, not enough former Huskers. Nope. Go get yourself DiCaprio Boodle this draft. Pick him up in the fifth or sixth round, and then we can have everybody in the state get on the side of right again and you don't have to cheer for a Super Bowl loser like you are going to this year. It's fine. Tampa Bay going to win it. All right. (laughs) Look, you're wrong. It's fine, but you're wrong. Uh, Evan Blant from the Omaha World-Herald coming up next. We'll talk about this lack of a baseball schedule, uh, how Will Bolt's guys are are getting ready for this, hopefully, full season this year, his first full season as Nebraska head coach, uh, and more football talk as well as we continue on here on the KLI and Husker Hour
0: free membership giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio 1400
2: KLIN KLIN Husker Hour doubling as a Super Bowl breakdown from the previous segment and uh, now to break down the baseball oh wait no it's not a baseball schedule shoot they got I think the Big Ten got confused yeah that must be it they, they must have got confused. <laughs> like, baseball season starts this month, or is it? Should it start in February? I, f- I forget. That's why we brought in the expert here. Yes. Um, football released yesterday, not baseball still, uh, and yet Will Bolt's guys are uh, getting ready for the season, hopefully a full season, uh, and the man who covers Husker baseball and more for the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the K-Line Husker Hour. That's Evan Bland. Uh, Evan, how is it?
4: Hey guys, doing well. Hope you brought your uh, shovels to get home today, but yeah. just another day in paradise.
2: <laughs> I tell you what, the amount of snow is almost distracting you if you are a Husker baseball fan It's going, for a... It's
1: sideways out there right
2: now. This is impressive. We're going to have to uncover the cars for sure. <laughs> um, and, and so I want to start with the baseball. We obviously aren't getting a lot of insight to the program because we don't have access like we usually do since we're in this COVID time, but... How how do you think – how frustrating do you think it is as as a program? And, and for Will Bolt in particular as a head coach who didn't get a season last year short of, you know, whatever, 10 games they played, uh, and now they still don't even know when they start playing, what's going through his mind, and how do you think this squad's getting ready for the season? They still don't know when it'll happen.
4: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're putting on uh, a good front, right? Like Will Bolt is saying all the right things in the interviews, that, and he's right that if – they do what they want to do. If they win the games, then everything is in front of them, right? They can still make the postseason. I mean, that can be when they they play their uh, non-conference games, is maybe in an NCAA regional. Uh, the conference title, you know, that's everything's still out there for them. But yeah, I mean, behind the scenes, they're absolutely frustrated with what's going on. It's you know, it's it's less now than two weeks until the SEC and some of your other major college conferences start playing baseball, and and Nebraska um, not only. Probably won't start then, but they have no idea what their roadmap is at this point. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's 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 frustrating. There's been, I think, every day that's gone by has just kind of irked the team and, and the fans just a little bit more. There's this kind of steady drip of discontent, and then you go ahead and you kick the hornets' nest yesterday by putting out a revised football <laughs> schedule, and uh, you know it's just it's not a great look for a conference that that quite honestly has made some pretty big strides in baseball the last handful of seasons. And a lot of that has been due to kind of an overflow of revenue from football that they've then been able to start investing in baseball with facilities and coaches and the like. But you know, I, I do think this kind of the way that it's drug out has really, again, just like in football kind of illustrated a little bit of a cultural gap between how most big 10 schools view baseball and how Nebraska does, because they do, want to get this thing going. They do have some big goals for this season. And for the most part, the the big 10 ADs have said, eh, you know, we're going to stay conference only. It's, it's not a huge deal. It's not a revenue sport for them. Um, so definitely some frustration there. And, you know, if it's uh, anything like basketball, it still could be another couple of weeks before we hear anything. So who knows?
1: Well, we can't get ahead of ourselves. There's plenty of time after a schedule release for the football season for the Big Ten to still cancel the season anyway. T-minus five days if we're still going by the fall schedule. <laughs> um, but for baseball, looking at conference only, and it's looking like Big Ten's going to be the only one doing conference only, how how much does this hurt the league on getting uh, postseason qualification? Because everything that I've seen is, like, if the Big Ten's just playing itself, two is the max. That this league is going to get in. And when you're a struggling league like this, Evan, how do you see this helping going forward at all?
4: Well, it doesn't. Not this year. Um, And and again, the Big Ten had five bids last year that tied a a, kind of a personal best for the league and getting that money through. And then you look, uh, even at last year and in the 15 games that Big Ten teams got in, there were some notable out-of-conference victories from Big Ten teams uh, outside of the conference. You know, there were teams, uh I think it was Michigan that beat Vanderbilt in the game. Uh, somebody beat LSU. North Carolina went down. Arizona to a Big Ten school. And so these are all you know, preseason or early season resume builders for the Big Ten. And and, and for the most part, and Nebraska is part of this, for the first three or four weeks of a season, typically starting in mid-February, everyone goes on the road and has a chance to, to build that resume. And, you know, Nebraska last year goes and, and wins one out of three at Baylor, one out of three at Arizona State. That performance alone, and that's not what, what Nebraska wanted. It wanted more than that. But that performance alone uh, is better than sweeping some bad team's At Haymarket Park in terms of RPI and building a a postseason resume. So what it does is totally eliminates that margin for error for every Big Ten school. Um, It it puts a ton of onus on on winning your conference games. You know, if if you have a strong non-conference, you can afford maybe to trip up once or twice in the league season and lose a series to a team like Northwestern or Michigan State. But now you can't do that. You need the wins. uh, You need the separation and the standings. And you need to pass the eye test because the RPI tool is is essentially useless when it comes to evaluating Big Ten schools. So it's uh, there are good teams in the Big Ten, probably five or six that you could realistically make a case for uh, going to a regional, including Nebraska. Um, but again, it's gonna it's gonna really just again decrease that margin for error, and if you have a bad weekend, that could cost you a postseason spot.
2: Well, let's hope that the the committee looks at the bids in twenty nineteen those victories that you mentioned in 2020 uh, and, and uses that as the template because they're obviously like, like you we said, we're not going to have those non-con matchups uh, and maybe we can just call the, the college world series, the summer Rose bowl. And maybe that would get the, uh, the big 10 to actually care about it. Uh, that was not my original thought. That was from Dave fight on Twitter, but I, uh, I had to share that. Um, what about this squad for the Huskers? Some of the guys we know, uh, Leighton Banjoff had a great 15 games early last season. Spencer Schwellenbach is on the All-American radar. Um, who are some of the names to, to pay attention to that the Husker fans may know and then some may don't know?
4: It's, it's a really interesting team. Um, you know, I think from, the outs, from an outsider's perspective, nationally, when you see some of these previews come out, people seem to think that the offense is going to be the strength but I think internally uh, and when you look at what happened in the fall, uh, the, the coaches would say that the pitching has really come together uh, in a way that that maybe they didn't even expect and in a way that's a lot uh, more of a strength into 2021 than it even was last year. And so, uh, you know, Chance Roach is a starter who comes over from New Mexico State. He's uh, an established player at that uh, at that position, playing at, at the altitude at New Mexico State. And he had some uh, excellent career numbers. So Nebraska gets a pretty reliable starter there. Um, Shea Shanneman looks like he's someone trending that direction, too. He was the closer for part of the year last year for Nebraska. He had an outstanding summer as a starter, um, and, and they're building him up there. And then Cade Povich, uh, right up in a, you know from Bellevue, had a pretty strong start last year. Another great summer, too. So they, they feel like they have kind of a starting rotation. And you know, typically, this is where you would start talking about maybe their, their midweek player or two but the way that it's trending, if you're playing a four-game weekend series and, and potentially a doubleheader every weekend, you're going to need more uh, depth from guys who can give you five or six innings than you normally would. And so guys like Jake Buns, Cody Frank, or a couple Juco additions that they brought in. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's interesting. And then in the bullpen, you mentioned Spencer Schwellenbach. It looks like he might be the closer this year. Uh, he was a guy who was drafted out of high school. For the potential that his arm has, and you look at his his numbers out of high school, I mean, just just ridiculous. I mean, two hundred, I think, thirty three strikeouts and one hundred fifty four innings. He walked like twenty seven batters. Uh, it's just insane control. And then uh, I think Colby Gomez is going to be back in the bullpen too. He was a closer, a very good closer for Nebraska a couple of years ago. Um, and then you look at the at the offense too. Schwellenbach will be a, a run producer in the middle. And just the way that that Will Bolt and the coaching staff kind of approaches an offense, they really try to hone guys in on their skill sets. So, whereas under Darren Erstad, I think it, it was more of a general, um, you know, let's let's have you do a little bit of everything sort of approach. They really try to hone in now on their strengths. And so, I think Mojo Haggy's a really interesting player to see how they kind of change his change his approach as a bunter and a, a, a just kind of a set, a set the table sort of guy. Joe Acker is another fifth-year outfielder who's back, uh, and it looks like he's in for another big season. You mentioned Leighton Banjoff at first base, and then they have a couple of really interesting middle infield uh, freshmen in Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson who probably were their best hitters in the fall. So a lot of pieces, a lot of depth. Um, you know, most college baseball teams are going to have more depth this year because of players that returned and, and the pandemic kind of elongating the careers of some people, but Nebraska certainly uh, has more depth, both hitting and pitching, than it's had in a long time, um, and it should be it should be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a pretty good team this year.
1: Switching gears to uh, football, like we said, the schedule is out for this fall, revised a little bit for Nebraska at least for now, still planning on taking on Illinois. Week 0 in Dublin, you've got Iowa and Wisconsin are now split up, so they're not both on the road or both in Lincoln uh, going forward. And then Iowa on Black Friday. What what were your initial reactions to to seeing this schedule? And then obviously the Big Ten giving basically no notice that they were going to just throw that at us on a Friday ahead of the Super Bowl
4: yeah that's very on brand for the Big Ten to just <laughs> put that out there news dump on a Friday at noon, but um yeah, I mean, I think the the headline piece for Nebraska is getting Iowa back on black friday that that continues the series that began for those two schools on that day since Nebraska joined the Big Ten uh you know this will be the eleventh straight year that they do that, and that's something that fans appreciate and 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 something Bill moose wanted the a d so you know that that was nice to see. Uh, they they made a couple venue switches. So instead of Wisconsin set to come to Lincoln for three straight years, that game's in Madison. And then instead of going to Purdue for three straight years, that game's in Lincoln. So that made sense too. And then I think, you know, the other piece for me is just looking at kind of that home stretch for Nebraska in year four under Scott Frost. So you have that Southeastern Louisiana non-conference game kind of sandwiched in there, but you look at the last four games now. uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be, Prove it. Time down the stretch, there are a lot of opportunities. I think is the is the the positive way to look at it. A lot of opportunities for Nebraska to show its growth. You know, in year four, I mean, when when you start talking about Ohio State and Lincoln, um, you know, Purdue and Lincoln, and then you go to Wisconsin, and then and at home against Iowa, um, you know, I think what that says one is you'd love to get off to a strong start, so you have a little bit of margin for error there, and you can still, uh, you know, Nebraska would hope make the postseason, and in that drought. But then, just beyond that, again, show that uh, that you're, you're improved as a team and that you can hang. Um, you know, if not with Ohio State, then with your West Division peers and teams that you need to reach before you can take that next step in Wisconsin and Iowa. So, uh, it makes for a really interesting November next year. And, and like you guys said, hopefully, all the games get in and hopefully there are fans in the stands.
2: Talk with Evan Bland here from the Omaha World Herald on the K Lion Husker Hour. Uh, one of the things that also came out this week in, in your paper there, the World Herald, Sam McEwen sat down and talked with Bill Moose uh, about a number of different things, and obviously the conversation will we'll get around to, to the football team. He had some interesting comments about former players on social media uh, which the the quote there these players who are running to twitter and social media the former players he means never had to go through the challenges scott is going through trying to rise out of ashes of losing football and a brand being tarnished a bit we're in the position of being the hunter instead of the hunted that's not easy for some of these players who never had to do that uh i don't know what that comment was meant to do um uh, Personally, I didn't see it as particularly helpful. Um, How do you think Bill Moose and Scott Frost, I guess to a certain extent, but mostly Moose since he's not actually coaching, how do you think he has kind of navigated this, uh, this three seasons under Coach Frost where obviously the results haven't been there, but he's still trying to show support for his guy?
4: Yeah, I mean... The, the narrative has changed in, in the three years, right? I mean, from from the first time when when they were kind of talking about uh, Urban Meyer and and uh, you know Harbaugh kind of running scared, uh, that that didn't really transpire that way. And you know, part of it's just Bill Moose. I mean, he's an outgoing, uh, optimistic sort of guy, um, old school, old school fan, old school football fan. Really believes in his guy, and so he, sometimes he's going to say things that yeah. When you look back, you're like, well. Didn't really necessarily pan out that way, but um, you know, he, he he definitely believes in Frost. He, uh, he he's been a proponent of his since the beginning. He hired him obviously, uh, and so you know, I think when you look back and you see kind of the early comments from Bill Moose and, and Scott Frost, um, you know, I think in some respects maybe they didn't understand one the the full scope of the rebuild that needed to occur, um, but you know. I think beyond that too, and, and Scott Frost has touched on this, Nebraska is a unique place. It's not a place where there's a lot, there, there are pro teams. It's not a place where, um, you know, you can kind of, it's not a place like UCF where you can kind of do your thing and, and show up on game days and people can, you know, come enjoy the product. This is a place where former players are very invested still there where they stick around Lincoln, they stick around the state and they still have a voice in this thing. Um, and it's one of those deals where if you, if you if you embrace the fan support as Nebraska does, there is going to be a sense of those those people feeling an investment and a personal stake in this. And so, you know, unfortunately, when you when when the wins don't come and Nebraska is twelve and twenty under Scott Frost through three seasons, uh, you know the infighting can can pick up a little bit and people can get a little chippy. And as Scott Frost said, and when it's his home state, sometimes it can get a little bit personal. So I know that they. Uh, they being the coaching staff and and the administration have reached out to former players about getting on board. And, and it's frustrating, right? Because everyone wants to win. Scott Frost said it himself again last week, winning would fix a lot of this stuff. And so, you know, what can they do? They can, they can block out the outside noise and hope that year four uh, with a tough schedule can, can be a, a kind of a launching pad for what's to come under Scott Frost. Because if not, The frustration is going to continue. People are going to talk. As we all know, social media gives people an outlet that they didn't have in the 90s, for for better or for worse. Um, And so it's definitely a different challenge than it's ever been.
1: Last one on uh, recruiting, Evan. And this week we saw um, Avante Dickerson select Oregon. Sounded like, from all of his comments, he just wanted to go somewhere different, see some different things. So it's maybe not necessarily um, anything about the Nebraska football program, but a lot of criticism became... Scott Frost not being able to keep top talent in the state, which really hasn't been the issue. There's just been one or two that have said they're really they just want to go somewhere else. How how did you view uh, that decision from Dickerson, and then just overall Nebraska football and Nebraska talent under this Frost era?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, losing Avante Dickerson, I, I don't view that as something that Nebraska did wrong. In fact, they were, they were on him, you know, for a long time and pushing him and, and, and stating, his case, stating their case to get him there. And sometimes guys just want to go somewhere else. I mean, Avante Dickerson didn't grow up uh, cheering for Nebraska. He has a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, family roots in Ohio. He wanted to get out into the West Coast. Um, So, you know, this wasn't a case of Nebraska not offering and not evaluating him correctly, um, anything like that. Sometimes the guys just go elsewhere. And like you guys said, uh, in fact, Frost at Nebraska has done a really good job of keeping guys in state that they've offered. Most of those guys have stayed home. Xavier Watts is an exception who went to Notre Dame. But but for the most part, though, that talent is in Lincoln. Um, And and so, you know, you just kind of. It's not. It's not great, obviously, when you when you don't get the number one prospect in your state. But but those things happen, and there's a lot of good prospects coming up in the years to come too. That Nebraska can get back to. But you know, as it pertains to the 2021 class, I really like it. I think it's it's obviously by necessity through COVID a lot more regionalized than maybe it has been. But that's not the worst thing in the world, especially in the era of the transfer portal. Um, guys leaving. I don't get the sense that that hardly any of these guys are flight risks. I mean, they've been. Uh, in, they've been to campus, they've grown up in the 500 mile radius mo- for the most part. Um, and they were able to develop organic relationships just because, you know, that they, they couldn't show up for a summer barbecue together. They couldn't show up on one official visitor weekend. I mean, they they had to do it kind of on their own. And I, I think that's a good thing. And there's a lot of uh, really talented players in this class, even though Thomas Fedoni probably steals the headlines as your borderline five star tight end type. Uh, there are a lot of really interesting prospects in this class. They hit a lot of Nebraska needs and, you know, to to finish top 20 yet again, still without a winning season says a lot about what the coaching staff and the work uh, they're doing behind the scenes.
2: Evan Bland, Omaha world Herald joining us here talking baseball and football. Evan, thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks guys. You too. All right. Evan Bland joining us. Uh, a lot of discussion there. Uh, we'll, we'll react to that when we come back. Also, Husker football schedule, uh, those changes, uh, we'll run through that and uh, give our picks game by game real quick. 12-0, right?
1: No. It's Kool-Aid season.
2: Guzzle up. <laughs> I'll, I'll drink the Patrick Mahomes Kool-Aid. Oh, you can have okay. the Husker Kool-Aid. Top uh, of Bay. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Coming back after this.
0: Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN.
2: Thanks to Evan Bland, who just joined us in our last segment, right for the World Herald on baseball and football. Uh, if you missed that uh, or anything else we've gone over so far, or any show we've ever done, go to the podcast page at com. Uh, you can head to the Facebook page as well, at KLIN Huskers. Find our uh, live stream there for right now. Uh, and you can also check on uh, previous shows. And we're on Twitter, uh, of course, too. Hey, I want to jump back to this World Herald uh, article Sam okay. McEwen wrote that quote that I mentioned to Evan from Bill Moose. So I don't know if it was last week or the week before we had this discussion about Bill Moose and and Scott Frost both commenting that week about how, hey, you know what, it's year four. I feel like now we finally have a a team that can compete for the West Division. Uh, I felt like you were a little bit more fired up about that one than I was. Yeah. This one got to me a little bit more because – I just don't know. Look, you're, if you're the athletic director and you're tied to the head football coach, obviously you need to pump a little sunshine and tell people that this is the year. You want people to get fired up. This comment, I'll read it again from Bill Moose. This is Sam McEwen this week. Quote, these players, these are, this is about former players. Former Huskers. With, with being a little critical of certain parts of the program, mostly in, in, this is in context of the recent transfers out of Wondell mm-hmm. Robinson, Luke McCaffrey, other players. These players who are running to Twitter and social media never had to go through the challenges Scott is going through, trying to rise out of the ashes of losing football and a brand being tarnished a bit. We're in the position of being the hunter instead of the hunted. That's not easy for some of these players who never had to do that. Some of these guys, Nebraska used to be the preseason pick to win the conference. They're in the top five nationally. What you had to do then was play your best and maintain it. The challenge here is to try to get there again, and that doesn't happen overnight. And he adds most players do quote understand what we're trying to do, end quote. My first thought was well, I in sports, and and being a Chiefs fan, uh, this this is apropos for today. In sports, it's always everybody says it's harder to stay on top than it is to get to the top. Mm-hmm. It's harder to repeat, it's harder to even get back to that level if you've been there in the in the fairly recent past. That was my first thought. Then I thought about it more. I don't know who this is directed at. I'm not sure what the aim of a a comment like this, that he knows will get a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. I don't know what good it's doing. Like, former players, I would imagine, want Scott Frost to succeed. They're probably going to be upset about a guy leaving and... I mean, if you watch the 90s Huskers, you know that a lot of those guys are outspoken. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're not outspoken now just because they got a little older. They're still (laughs) outspoken, right? So they're going to say their piece. They're going to feel a certain way when names like McCaffrey and Warner and, and a player like Wandale leave. I just don't know what good this does anybody who wants this program to succeed, and that's the disappointing part about it. We're, we've seen a, a pattern from
1: Moose over the course of 2020 and into 2021 now is um, kind of putting his foot in his mouth. And when we saw it with the uh, the schedule release and everything in the fall, what became really not trying to defend and get what he wants from the Big Ten, but it became whining about what the Big Ten did for the schedule, saying, well, now we have to start with Ohio State. Oh, we didn't get the games we wanted. I I didn't get anything I wanted from the Big Ten. And now you're you're getting to the point where at, at least so far up until this quote, there was a lot that seemed was lockstep between the athletic director and the head football coach. Now I'm seeing a split at least a little bit in that Frost still talks a lot about they want the former players involved. He re- they reach out to a lot of former players. They want to know their thoughts on the program, what they think might be ways that they can improve any little thing. Just trying to get a big think tank going of former Huskers. Moose seems kind of turned off by a lot of former Huskers who have gone to social media. Seems very defensive. About criticism coming from former players because it might make the program look bad. That I don't think this is the place. Obviously, he was asked a question; he's going to answer it. Um,
2: you can answer that so you, many you, better ways. Yeah, you though.
1: you can answer it a lot a lot better ways that aren't defensive and saying, "Well, I think most former players understand what we're trying to do. You guys didn't have to deal with this. You guys had different things, but you didn't have to deal with this coming from the bottom and." I don't know. I think this is this is another misstep by Moose in the uh over this uh this athletic year from the pandemic. And uh, you got to wonder what that means going forward. Um, his relationship with the conference, and now his relationship with former Huskers, especially on the football side of things, because they are critical. It's it's not hard to find critiques of the Husker football program yeah. from anyone on social media, but it's not hard to find them from former players. Tommy Frazier is probably the most outspoken one. Um, he sticks that, out that that that, that sticks out just because of his brand, what he was for Husker football. Yeah. But there are plenty out there that, that are critical. Adam Carriker was critical this week after the, uh, in his reaction of the uh, Avante Dickerson mm-hmm. taking, taking the, his commitment and his talents out to Oregon on his uh, Carriker Chronicles for the Omaha World-Herald. You see plenty of former Huskers critical of things within this program. But I will say this. If they were not critical of the program, if they were not critical of things happening, I would be more concerned. Right, it's better than apathy. I would be more concerned if they were just sitting there going, well, we were good when I played. Good luck to the rest of you guys. I don't need to be involved. I, the only thing I want to be involved is when we talk about how great we were. I, that would have me more concerned about this program and the yeah. culture and what has come back for these Huskers. I want them to be critical. Yeah. If this coaching staff misses on a recruit, if this coaching staff um, runs a bad play script for a game, I want these former Huskers critical because that tells me they're still invested in the program. And that seems to be what Frost and what Moose want. And if this is what Frost and Moose want is former Huskers involved in the program, you have to be able to take the critiques
2: as well as folks saying, hey, you're doing great, buddy. Right. And look, what Bill Moose is saying is not factually inaccurate. I mean, yeah, the teams in the 90s were perennial championship contenders and these teams now are just trying to win you know enough games to get to a bowl game. That's obviously different and it's fine to point that out, but what he does here is almost pitting the former players against the current players. Yes. Which is it's a dumb thing
1: to do. It like, really downplays the the expectations those 90s yeah. teams had. Right. Like, that's, yes, right now at Nebraska, you're just trying to get to six wins and get to a bowl game, compete in the West, um, see what you can do while Ohio State is going through a great run mm-hmm. over the last decade or so. But those 90 teams, the expectations they had to deal with every single week, because one loss was a failure.
2: One loss was an absolute failure. And if you weren't on it, on your game every single day, you were losing your job. Yes. Because the guy behind you was going to be an All American, too. And, like, and that's not to say that either of these are necessarily
1: harder than the other. They are difficult in their own right. But like you said, Cole, don't pit what it was difficult in the 90s to what is obviously difficult right now for different it's, – it's still Nebraska football, but these are completely different programs going through completely different scenarios. And when you are the athletic, athletic director, all you've done now is just put a little bit of a schism between – What happened then and what's going on now, and that is the last thing this program needs because it's an all-hands-on-deck situation, and if former Huskers are going to be critical, invite that to your program and say, how would you guys handle this differently?
2: We want to take all the input we can. Yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Social media is what it is. Like, Honestly, take a page from Adrian Martinez. He gives non-answers to like every question <laughs> it's coach speak on a level that i rarely see from a player um yeah so that was bill moose um it is what it is and just not helpful in the in the no. least um what will be helpful uh, caleb and i are going to break down the new nebraska football schedule uh when we come back so stick around for that that's coming up next year on the Line husker hour
0: Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker
2: Radio, 1400 KLIN. While all of us here in the the state of Nebraska, who apparently care about college baseball more than the conference that the university plays in, waits for a schedule, uh, wait no longer for a newer version of the 2021 football schedule, which starts six months from now, <laughs> um, let's run down what we got. Ver- version 2.0 officially. Right, we're already to a second version. <laughs> we don't even have a first version uh, for the baseball season that should start this month or next month. All right, still with Illinois. Yes. I was just, the the main changes. You have a few date changes. Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue, Ohio State, and Iowa all changing the the date that you're playing them on. Iowa's the big one because you got Iowa back on Black Friday. Mm -hmm. Look, it took a global pandemic to right the wrong of Sean Eichhorst getting the Hawkeyes off of uh, Black Friday, because Minnesota's years should have been 2020 and 2021. Mm -hmm. And so it took three versions of the 2020 schedule to get Iowa on Black Friday, and then the second version of this one gets Iowa back on Black Friday. You also have Minnesota, not Minnesota, Wisconsin and Purdue flipping the location. Nebraska is now hosting Purdue. And Wisconsin is now in Madison, Um, but that one's still uh, on the 20th of November. Let's run down game by game. You go first, uh, and then I'll go. We'll go Illinois first, and then Buffalo, and so on. Illinois in Dublin for
1: now, uh, week zero, last weekend in August. Yep. If By the way, if it's not in Ireland, it will be played in, in Champaign because it was an Illinois home game. Yep. I think Nebraska gets the win there in lovey Smith's uh, – uh, or not Lovey Smith. Bill, Brett Bielema. Wow. Yeah. yeah, Brett Mill. I was like, wow, which which guy that we've seen coach a bunch of times before? Yeah, Brett Bielema's,
2: uh return to the Big Ten. I agree. I think that the Huskers can get that win. Bielema in his first game in the program won't have things uh, established quite yet. Uh, second game, this one's sneaky. Buffalo, uh, they dang near went undefeated this year in the MAC. I think Nebraska still gets it done, their first home game of 2021. Buffalo doesn't return their stud at running back, and that's I think right. that's
1: really the difference. Nebraska starts at home with a win. So I 2-0 and through the first two.
2: Oklahoma, want to take the Huskers over the Sooners? I do not. That one's down in Norman. I will also take a loss. Uh, at Michigan State, the, the second Big Ten game for the season, I think Mel Tucker, for whatever reason, has Scott Frost number. I'm going to say that's a loss for Nebraska. I think Nebraska gets the win there. Okay, so our first break there. Uh, this uh, next game is home for Northwestern. I don't, I don't see Nebraska beating Northwestern. They just, they had their program established. Nebraska is still. Not trying to, f- they still haven't figured out their footing yet. I think the Wildcats get that win in Lincoln. I think at that
1: point in the season, you're coming back to Lincoln. You've you've figured a few things out offensively, and your defense is rolling. I think Nebraska beats Northwestern. I have the Huskers at one, two, three.
2: You're four and one. Four and one, and one uh, before bringing Michigan to town. I got I got Nebraska at two and three, and then the, then the Wolverines. This one might be a split as well. I think Nebraska gets this victory over Jim Harbaugh. And they break that three-game losing streak in my pick so far. I think Nebraska drops that one. Okay. Next one, at Minnesota. What do you think with the Gophers? I think Nebraska loses that one at Minnesota, too. Oh, I've got Nebraska with a win there uh, over P.J. Fleck. Uh, Bye week, the 23rd of October, and then Purdue in Lincoln. I'm going to take Nebraska to beat Purdue in that one. Same here. Okay. Uh, And then you're back home with Ohio State. Do you want the Buckeyes, or no. do you, want the, you, you you do want the Buckeyes? or Yes, I, yeah Nebraska's not winning that game. I was like, oh, okay. sorry I thought you were going to say you want Nebraska. No. Ohio State wins. Nebraska loses. Uh, I think we both take Nebraska over Southeast yes. Louisiana. Wisconsin in Camp Randall. Yes. Who you got? It's mid to late November,
1: and you're going to have fans back in the stands. That's already a tough place to win. I think Nebraska's offense, like I said, is going to be a lot better defense rolling, but... It's hard for me right now to pick Nebraska over Wisconsin in Camp Randall.
2: Yeah, I think Nebraska loses that one as well. Iowa at home, I'll go first. I, I would love to pick Nebraska to finally beat the Hawkeyes, but I think that that Iowa gets their seventh straight win in a seventh in a fourth straight one score game, uh, and Nebraska goes six and six for me. I have Nebraska getting the win in that one to go seven and five. Seven and five for you. Six and six. Pretty close. That that might be how it goes. Uh, more likely, probably not, because we never get these right. <laughs> and hey, who knows how many versions of this schedule exist by the time we get to August? Who knows who's going to be added to this, the the uh, roster or taken off before August? Lots more stuff to figure out. We'll we'll try to do that when we come back uh, through the weeks to come. Wrapping the show up next here on the KLI and Husker. Hour.
0: Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400
2: KLIN. Finishing things up here on our Saturday morning. It is Super Bowl weekend. What was your official score prediction here? 44-42. 44-42. Tampa Bay. I got uh, the Chiefs 38-25. Husker basketball in action tonight, 5-30. At Michigan State.
1: Volleyball also taking on Maryland. That one later tonight. It's over on B1073. Nebraska men's basketball today is on KLIN. Women's basketball try to bounce back at Rutgers tomorrow. Still no Husker baseball schedule. Wrestling this weekend has a pair of duels today.
2: There you go. That's your weekend ahead. Go Chiefs. (laughs) Holding up the box of Mahomes Magic Crunch. It's going to be back-to-back. It's going to be a beautiful thing. (laughs) All right, stay safe this weekend. It's snowy out there. Wear a mask and go Big Red.